Welcome to the Prime Fitness Project. I'm your host, Eric Giroux. Get ready to talk all things fitness, wellness, strength training, and nutrition. Get yourself ready. Go blend up a protein shake, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the Prime Fitness Project. It's Eric. It's been a long time. I know. I seem to say that every time we start a new podcast episode. But that's just because, hey, man, life gets busy and things get in the way. And I'm, you know, really working hard on finding cool guests for us to sit down and talk to. You know, it's one of my favorite things to do is run my mouth and chat with cool people. Um, And so I had an opportunity to uh, reach out to uh, a new friend and colleague of mine who I have met through a very cool networking group that I'm part of um, and ask her to come on to the podcast today. Her name is Ms. Deborah Kelly. Deborah, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Uh, And the reason why I did this is because she's got a really cool story to tell and she is a life coach. Now, in all transparency and all honesty, folks, I had no idea really what the hell that meant. Um, That I really felt like that was kind of a vague term for a lot of different things. Um, But I feel after, you know, kind of getting to know Deborah a little bit and kind of like, you know, what her background is and how she got into it, that's really flipping cool. (laughs) It's pretty (laughs) cool. And it, you know, it's a different world um, of coaching than what, you know, you're used to hearing out of me. Uh, And she's got a pretty specific audience she likes to talk to. And I think that's really cool. And which, you know, we always talk about a lot in the world of entrepreneurship, find your audience and really talk to them pretty big time. Um, That's a whole nother topic we can get onto is entrepreneurship and how much fun that is. Um, (laughs) But we're here. So Deborah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Very cool. So let's, let's kind of, how long is now we've known each other for a few months, I guess. Right. Yeah. I think late summer, late summer. Um, we are part of a an all online networking group that I joined a little over a year ago. Um, I was strong armed <laughs> by my one of my dear friends, Chris Genovese, who was on the podcast a, a couple episodes ago um, to get me into this networking group. And um, I fell in love with it because it's very different than anything that I've ever done in terms of networking. So that was really cool. And then um Deborah, you wanted to join. And then I actually got put on the spot because I had to be the one that was that I had to allow you in because we both were coaches. That's right. Right. Similar areas. Yeah. <laughs> funny. Uh, our our networking leader, we had a, we have kind of a rule in place for our networking group that it's only one person per industry that can come in and be part of it all. And so the, the leadership team said, hey, you know, I think Eric should probably check this out and sit down and talk with you and kind of figure out if you guys can work together. And it was a pretty uh, immediate, like, okay, it's not going to be a problem at all. And so I thought we kind of hit it off pretty well. Um, so I think that that's been a pretty cool, like, you know, startup for this. I want to kind of like jump into something kind of funny, right? I told you before, I like to do a little bit of, you know, let's break the ice a little bit. Let's kind of get a fun conversation. Yeah, Let's see, let's see what you got. I got one here for you. So the president needs you for a special project. What expertise did they come to you for? <laughs> the president needs me. That is a good question. President needs you for a special project. What expertise did they come you to know, you for? I feel like the people come to me in general. So we'll just call the president a part of that category for like seeing a different side of the same situation. 
So maybe there's like some sort of internal struggle or the president is being pressured by, I don't know, the American people or the opposing party or whatever to make a decision. I'm usually the one that can see the situation from lots of angles and get people to think. So would you say you're a big picture kind of person? I do think I'm a big picture person. I also think I'm a bit of a peacekeeper person. So I'm always looking to find a solution that makes everyone feel okay about whatever the answer might be versus letting anyone be right. So a little bit of a mediator there. Yeah, I think so. Mediator. All right. That's cool. So, yep. So, well, that's actually a great kind of, you know, lead in. So how being a mediator, being someone, you know, someone that kind of wants to help keep the peace, kind of tell me a little bit about life coaching and like how that, you know, is kind of a skill set that you use in that world. Yeah. You know, life coaching kind of came to me. I didn't gravitate it. I didn't know it either. When you said you didn't know what a life coach was, I didn't either. I needed help. I needed some support. Um, I think we're going to talk a little bit later about my personal history, but I needed some support. I needed to figure out what to do with myself, how to make sense of all these situations. And I, I kind of fell as the word that I use into the arms of this woman who I credit with a lot of my um, success and just personal success and also business success, but just finding out how to think through questions and how to maybe see a situation from a different side that I hadn't thought of before. And I feel like that's what landed me here is like, wow, I've got this health problem. What does this mean about me? Who does that make me? What am I going to do with it? Is it going to take me over or not? And learning how to kind of make sense of everything. Do you have a, a like an, an example that sticks out for you of where you were able to kind of like flip the script on looking at the other side of something? For you? I feel like, yeah, for me personally, definitely. So I can remember this defining moment. In fact, I was talking with, I have a 13 year old son at the time I was diagnosed with a rare blood cancer. Um, and I was having a conversation with him trying to explain to a 10 year old what was going on with their mom at the time. Mm. And I asked him, um, you know, what do you know about cancer? That was the way that I introduced this conversation to him. And his answer almost was this piece for me that changed my point of view. Cause he said, it's when some of your cells don't function like the rest. And I was like, that's pretty incredible from a 10 year old. Right. And, (laughs) and if that's the only problem, if that's the problem, some of my cells don't function correctly. Great. Like we can work with that. And I kind of took his definition to be my own and not accept the the word cancer as what my life meant. But I had some cells that didn't quite work right. And that was a huge like mindset shift. And I find that that's where I capitalize on mindset shifts. That I can tell you is awesome. Number one, that's a great <laughs> observation from your son. And yes, it it immediately immediately hits home for myself and my wife, Christy. Um, She's been diagnosed with melanoma a few times, right? And Mm -hmm. so once back in her early thirties, she had melanoma then, and then just recently she had it again over the summer. Mm. And so she's had quite a bit of surgery recently, you know, she's had some things removed and um, you know, she's, it's, it's been a little bit of a scary time and we've never really, uh, 
everything's fine. Just put that out. Good. Everything's fine. Yeah. Can be scary. Right. It can be scary. We've gotten everything so far. We've even, you know, gone so far as having like the internal things checked out, but um, we've never much like, we've never really had to like use the C word, the big C word with our son. He's nine. And she was, um, they were in the car the other day when the dermatologist called, she had a couple of things biopsied and they used the word cancer. Um, and mm-hmm. so when they called, it was on speakerphone in the car. Oh. And so uh, our son was like, you know, he was kind of took a step back and we didn't really know what he knew of cancer at that time. And so yeah. uh, he said, he said, mom, can't cancer kill you? Doesn't, does that mean you're going to die? And she was like, whoa, 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 hold on, buddy. Pump the brakes. She goes, no, we're on top of it. You know, it's, it's, we're, mm-hmm. everything's good. The doc's on top of it, but it was kind of a, a, one of those aha moments for us a little bit to kind of say, Hey, we're going to have to have some, you know, some tough conversations with him, um, yeah. kind of like lay it out. But I really like that approach that your son had of saying, you know, yeah. like, some cells that aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Right. And so that's pretty cool. It's very, very, yeah. very great. Really eye opening when you just ask the question and this is generic kind of approach, but ask a question and see what someone's sticking point is. Cause sometimes it's the same as your own and other times it's not. And for him, it was really, really easily digestible because it just meant things weren't working the same as everything else. And it was nowhere near as traumatic as what was going on in my head. So it was really a good way to enter a conversation based on where he was, what it meant for him. That's, that's crazy. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. What, so, I mean, I'm sure because everybody's now curious. Uh, yeah. Tell me a little bit about the blood cancer. Yeah. So when my daughter was born, she's three and a half now, when she was seven months old, I became aware that something was going on. Um, just some lymph nodes that were acting funny and was often told, this is just post-pregnancy, your body's adjusting to some hormonal things and all kinds of answers that for some reason I knew wasn't accurate. Not sure why I knew that, but I just felt as if I'm pretty in tune with myself and this just doesn't feel right. I've had a child before, I didn't have the same situation. So mm-hmm. I kind of took my own initiative, took my own direction and kind of ended up getting a diagnosis of what's called Waldenstrom's macroglobulinemia. And it's impossible to say or remember, and it's kind of known as WM. Um, The part that's the craziest about the whole diagnosis is that it's most typically found in men 70 plus. And clearly female at age 37 at time of diagnosis, it made absolutely no sense. So my whole world was turned upside down. And as you said before, everything's fine. It's well managed. It's well treated at this point. Um, But at the time, it was really earth shattering. I have this seven month old baby. I have a 10 year old son. Somebody just told me you have cancer, you have lymphoma. And then we funneled it down to the name of exactly what it is. Um, So it's manageable. It's almost like a chronic Um, high cholesterol in a way. There's too much protein in my blood. And if it doesn't get managed medically, it can build up and become a problem. Mm. So I take medication to manage that specific protein in the blood, keep it to a minimum, and then we don't have a problem. And science has come so far that that's possible without chemotherapy. Oh, so no chemo at all? 
No chemo. I take something wow. called targeted cell therapy and okay. it's actually incredible. It's a pill. I take it at home at night alongside my allergy medicine and <laughs> it, it it's no more taxing or physically challenging than taking allergy medicine or a vitamin. That's great. That's wow. Yeah. That's, that's a wonderful thing. Now, any side yes. effects from it at all? I actually don't. I mean, I don't have any. Some people do have some, but I think that's where my age and my interest in being healthy and well has played a huge role is because I can handle the drug and I continue to take good care of myself. And I think those things are in my, you know, play to my advantage. Absolutely. Yes. Now, <laughs> let's think for a second, does, um, from the, like from a nutritional physiology standpoint here, but maybe you can answer this. Cause I, I don't know. Yeah. Do, does the intake of certain pro do you have to worry about the certain intake of proteins or is it just the proteins your body's your body makes? It's, it's the protein that's in your blood. It has nothing okay. to do with food protein. Yeah. Gotcha. And as much as I wanted it to be something I could manage like with food or with exercise, cause I would be a hundred percent willing to do those things. There really isn't a lot that you can do with food and nutrition, except, and this is a huge one, except keep yourself as healthy as you can be so that you can fight off any, you know, complications or side effects or any other toll that the disease may take on your body. So it was always important to me before, but now it continues to be important to me. That's, that's awesome. I mean, that, yeah. that, that's got the, that effect for you. Um, yes. and that you've got the ability to kind of like manage it that way. Now, uh, let's say, unmanaged? What are some of the things that can happen unmanaged for you with this? Yeah. So people who have disease that's starting to show signs of becoming worse or needing change in treatment have peripheral peripheral neuropathy. And so okay. they have trouble with their feet and pain mm -hmm. in their hands, perhaps. Um, fatigue is a really big one just because your blood oxygen can go down. Um, hemoglobin is a problem for some people. It's not a debilitating disease, like you might, you know, that C word in other circumstances can be a lot more challenging. This one really does play more like a chronic disease. Does the, does the stress of it ever get to you for all of it? Sometimes. Um, I think when I see cancer in young people, that's affecting them more gravely than it's affecting me. I see myself as like, well, that could be me or it could turn that way or I kind of can do that to myself. Mm -hmm. But probably only a day or two a month, I think about it. And mm -hmm. I think about it because it comes up for a prescription or a doctor's appointment or some reason. I don't think about it on a daily basis, which is incredible because I was so afraid at the beginning when my journey with life coaching began, when the, the life coach helped me, it was all consuming. And now I don't find it to be that way at all. Yeah, unless you're stuck on a podcast with me and I'm asking you questions about <laughs> it, and then you got to like just data dump a bunch of information, right? <laughs> no, totally fine. I really do actually enjoy talking about it some because I think that there are people who struggle with either this or something similar or some other type of chronic disease that can do some of the mind, mind changing work that I've done to get themselves into a position where I'm at. I volunteer in this kind of work and do a lot of things just because I know that I've done some mental work to be healthier. I'm, I'm, so you do find like talking about it cathartic for you and kind of a release? Yeah. 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 Especially in the first couple of months, like in the first 
understanding, learning, becoming really comfortable with the language of the disease and mm. the terminology that the doctors use and like getting yourself up to speed felt really, really important. And now I'm at a place where I don't necessarily want to learn anymore. I just want to continue to share what I'm experiencing and what other people my age are experiencing because the research is really focused on older people. Mm, mm, mm. Now, is there, yeah. again, because I'm dumb and I want you to kind of help me understand, <laughs> is, there a lot of, uh, is there a lot of research being going, going towards this type of cancer? Yes, or definitely. So this disease, Waldenstrom's macroglobulinemia, kind of mirrors multiple myeloma. So multiple oh. myeloma gets, a lot of research. And right. so my disease kind of benefits from the research in that disease oh. because it behaves similarly. It, you know, what I have is slightly less aggressive than multiple myeloma, but the treatment options can be very similar. And then there it yeah, they're definitely focusing their energy on these targeted cell therapies and different ways to kind of interrupt what's going on so that you don't have to be stuck with the, you know, the alternative, which is chemotherapy. Sure. Yeah. I'm, you know, not to sound like a like nerd out here, but I love like the science, you know, of yeah. like, how, how you just said you're, you're piggybacking off of like the, you know, the multiple myeloma. It, it mm -hmm. just, science blows my mind that way where we yeah. you know, like, kind of like cross those T's and dot those I's and kind of like, oh, hey, this is going to help this. And, you know, you yeah. kind of get the, the benefit of like piggybacking that. That's one of those things for me. I could sit here and listen to things like that all day long. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what got you like this whole scenario is what kind of got yeah. you into getting yourself set up with a life coach. Yeah. So I tried after my diagnosis, I tried working with a couple of therapists. And I know there are a lot of wonderful therapists out there, but I didn't meet them right away when I needed them. I ran into <laughs> some therapists who maybe were really great at serving other people. It just wasn't what I needed in the moment. Sure. And so um, one of my sisters, in fact, recommended this woman who is a life coach. She lives in Texas. And my sister is her tennis instructor and thought, I wonder if this is what you want. Like, quite honestly, I don't know what she does anyway, but maybe this would be helpful for you. <laughs> and so I was like, can't hurt. Let's try. So I spoke to her on the phone a couple of times um, and I felt things were so different after maybe like two or three hours of talking to her. And they were each, you know, a week at a time, an hour here or there. But it was just this like change of mind and the way that you think. And she asked these questions that I would have never thought to even ponder or wonder about, or why, why are you asking me that kind of things? And I was like, wow, this is incredible. And after a couple of months of working with her, I kind of recognized that I could be doing what she's doing. In fact, I'm sort of already doing what she's doing. I'm like recycling her advice to my friends and to my family members and to people that are in my world. I'm sort of calming them down as it is about me. So maybe I... <laughs> maybe I could really do this. And I was sort of in a place where I was looking for something new. Anyway, I had, I've previously worked as a teacher, and we've moved quite a few times. And it was getting hard to keep the teaching career every time I moved. Mm. So it felt like that was like almost this hidden message, like maybe this diagnosis happened, so that you could find what's next for you. And I've never really been the type that like, felt like I was being spoken to, but it really almost felt that way. And so I did. I After I got myself in a good place mentally and physically, 
I researched life coaching schools and I ended up going through the Life Purpose Institute in San Diego and um, became certified to be a life coach. That is so cool. Um, I, you know, it's a, I think when it kind of got itself, got its legs underneath of it, probably about, I would say 10, 15 years ago, you started to see life coaches pop up. Yeah. Um, They kind of started to be this thing. I know they kind of got a little bit of a hoo-hoo kind of rap, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, some of them uh, came across as little hippy dippy, kind of came across as not really knowing their stuff and, you know, just really kind of being charlatans more than anything else. And Mm -hmm. really kind of just, I always kind of, for a while, I felt like people looked at them as the, uh, the, the palm readers of like the fitness, <laughs> right? And so, yeah. uh, kind of like, and but I think when we're kind of even the past, we'll say even the past five or six years, what we've seen is this big shift of in the world of wellness, where, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's obviously the world of psychiatry and there's the world of therapy and. But then there's this other little like gap. And I think life coaching has filled up this other gap where people just need someone to kind of like do exactly what you're doing, which is kind Mm -hmm. of paint the picture from another direction, which is maybe hold them a little bit accountable for their own actions um, and maybe, um, you know, help them, you know, uh, walk the, you talk the talk because you've walked the walk with them, you know? I think yeah. that's one of those things that becomes, you know, people, I say all the time, people, you know, say, why do people hire trainers? You know, how do they, why does they hire a fitness coach? You know, oftentimes it's because we've been through something they want to accomplish. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, it's not just because I love health and fitness. because I like to <laughs> exercise. Well, I'm, I actually understand the power of those things. Um, right. I think people will say that they can see that you've got a passion for it and the power for it right there. Um, yeah. And coaching really is a huge emphasis on the word accountability, like you said. So for somebody that was going through something like me, or for clients that I work with who are going through other challenges of life, it really is about, you said you're going to try doing X, Y, and Z so that you can feel better. Did you do any of those things? And did they work? And if so, why? And if not, why? So just getting somebody to be accountable to what they already know that they want is what a coach can really do. And that's, probably true in your area of coaching as well. 100%. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think, and this is what I say to people all the time, you know, people, if someone comes to me and they says, Hey, can you write me an exercise program? I said, sure, I'll do it for you, but it's not going to do you any good. And I said, cause you can go to any website and get an exercise program. I said, you can go to any, I said, then if you look at them, they're really not all that different. <laughs> right? They're all, I said, a good exercise program is going to be pretty, it's going to be pretty much the same things built over a period of time. And, you know, it's going to be something you stick to. But most people, and I find that most people, what they really want a coach for is the accountability component. And they want mm-hmm. somebody to tell them it's okay, to tell them, you know, to give them the okay to do things well or do things poorly or to uh, to kind of, you know, be their Sherpa, really, for the most part. Be totally. the guide that they want. And, you know, that is, a. I think that's a, another one of the buzzwords that's kind of been thrown around the past two years, you know, has been accountability but it has impact, right? It has impact in terms of you mm-hmm. just have somebody you answer to. I mean, I do it for business, right? I have somebody that, you know, checks in with me and says, you know, did you do X, Y, Z this week that you said you were going to do? You know, exactly. I can't make you do it, but, you know, you're paying me to 
<laughs> you're yeah. paying them to tell you to do these things. And if you don't do them, there's a, you, you, you're, you know, kind of, you know, up shit's creep without a battle there. It's kind of your fault. <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. And so uh, you're right. I think the two have some pretty, some pretty crazy parallels there. I think it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so do you have a target audience, a specific audience you like to work with? Yeah, I almost exclusively work with women um, and moms in even finer tuning that area. So I work with moms who are just kind of overwhelmed with life, right? There's so many aspects of who you are as a woman, as a mom, as a wife or a partner or, you know, any in your professional world as well and so many demands so people and moms in particular feel this pull upon them to accomplish all of these things and do all of these things well yet life continues to throw its curveballs right and i talk to my clients a lot about life being just a giant obstacle course so you're doing <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> everything you're supposed to be doing but you're also dodging these obstacles and the obstacles can be anything they can be moving or getting divorced or losing someone or some sort of health problem or your weight even sometimes and just dealing with all of these obstacles in light of all the other stress that's going on and that seems to be a big place uh, where I strongly resonate with my clients. Why in your, in your anecdotal research? Like, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Why do you think it is? And I was, again, I think I told you, you know, I've worked with mostly women. Why do you think it is that moms like yeah. feel this? And I've been trying to figure it out, like this need yeah. to be everything to everywhere. Yeah. Why do I think that? I just think it almost like, societal pressures is honestly okay. one of the biggest things. And that's another one of my huge conversations I have with clients is the word should, right? Because mm -hmm. they always say, I feel like I should be going to the gym and I should be taking my kids to soccer practice. And I should be, you know, calling my mom every week and I should be and all of these shoulds. And when you get into where does the word should come from? It's often what other people believe about you versus what you believe about yourself. And so when we start to unfold, like, I don't know, why do moms feel like they have to be everything to everyone? They've seen it from the way that they were raised and from TV and from, you know, movies and every place that these pressures come from. It's just like body image, right? You see these like perfectly looking people in these like bikinis with their hair done right and you know all their makeup's perfect and that's why women feel like they have to look a certain way it's kind of the same idea it's interesting because i you know you bring up the that's a great like uh, <laughs> thought the should concept is yeah do you think that the 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 feeling of comparison falls into that category too where people start to compare themselves to yeah. others um, oh yeah yeah yeah, because they like this is a very common conversation is like the my neighbor, she cooks dinner every night and she is able to be at soccer. Pre she coaches her kids team and she works and she looks really good and she goes to the gym every morning. I don't know why I can't be like her. Why can't I do that? Mm -hmm. Like this, this role of who I am compared to who she is, is very prominent because it's it feels like a race or it feels like a competition. Mm. And but so, what I often try to point out is you don't know what's happening inside that woman's house. Does she yeah. have a housekeeper? Does she have a cook? Does she have, you know, a metabolic condition that allows her to look that way? Does she have, what are her layers of support? Cause 
maybe you just need to layer in your support too. And then you have the same appearance, but it's not because you're a superhero. It's because you're taking care of things. That's awesome. That is, <laughs> do you, you know, when you look at it like that, do you find it as well? You talk about layering and support. Do you find it that, look, I know guys sometimes have a hard time asking for help, right? I know guys, mm -hmm. so that's, you know, for sure. But I've also noticed, and this is something I kind of see as a, I find that moms, and again, not, not necessarily women in general, but moms that have a really hard time asking for help and trying to, you know, mm -hmm. create the village when that's one of the things that we talk about all the time is like, yeah. it takes a village to kind of raise a family and like, yeah. and we don't ask the village for help. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen something funny about the village is like, how do you get the village? Is there a number or do they just come? Like, how do you create that village? And that is exactly one of the places that we plug in, right? As I start working with people, as we start uncovering what's causing the difficulties in their world is what does your support network look like? Who are the players? And we call it your team. Who are the players on your team? And if you don't have certain players, like if you don't have a second baseman, you're going to need to find one. So if you don't have somebody to support you with your nutrition or with your, you know, all the driving that you have to do or all the work you have to do on a professional level, like we need to layer in those supports. Do you find too that like people are very willing to help when you ask, they just don't know what to do until they're asked or told, right? I mean, yeah. I know that if anybody ever came to me and said, Eric, could you do X, Y, Z? I'd drop it in a heartbeat and say, of course. Of course. I mean, I don't know anybody yeah. that wouldn't be willing to help another human being, but right. I think it's hard for us. And I think it might just be hardwired in our society where we like, mm -hmm. we're going to be strong. We're going to do it ourselves. We're kind of like, you know, we're staunch about it all. And you know, I think it's part of also the Gen X baby boom generation. I think hopefully, yeah. you know, maybe it will start to evolve a little bit where we're not afraid to ask for help and kind of like, and I, you know, yeah. I think it's tough, man. It just gets really tough. Um, yeah, and because that sure. then I think when you're not, when you're afraid to, where you're not able to ask for those layers of support, then um, it just kind of, you know, builds and makes things exponentially more difficult for you. Yeah. As you go along. And, I, and again, we're talking about women here, if you know, because that's kind of what you're, you're working with, but the thing, the same thing applies to, to guys. I mean, it's not like for sure. there. Um, right. They just get very stoic and like, you know, tamp, stamp down their feelings and push them <laughs> down, push them down until they <laughs> explode. And then it's uh yep. And there are plenty of coaches out there that work specifically with men as well, right? It just so happens to be that at this point in my life, this is the person who I connect with, who I resonate with, who we're sharing similar burdens with. And as you said, it does make my clients feel comfortable to know that I'm doing what they're doing. And I love to explain that I didn't become a life coach because my life is perfect. And you should really try to do exactly what I did because I hit the sweet spot. That is not it at all. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> I have tried to paint the picture of even though the crap is happening, you can still deal with it in a way that's least stressful, the lowest level of resistance, and then like make that forward progress. Cause coaching is always about moving forward. You may not land in the spot that you thought that you would, or that you always envisioned, but it could be into a new place that might even be better than what you had expected. It's just not the same. That That's a, a great, you know, concept when you kind of think of like, you know, Hey, it doesn't, 
uh, how do we find the least stressful way to kind of like get to where you want to be? And like one of the things that mm-hmm. has kind of been a topic for me recently with clients is, look, you know, this world of fitness and this world of, um, you know, I'm doing a lot with weight loss right now, right? It's one of the things mm-hmm. I'm doing, working with a lot of people with because then I got there, it, it kind of came full circle with my career. It's kind of how I started in fitness. I'm kind of coming back to it again. And I was all kind of born out of COVID um, where I just, a lot of people needed to, you know, get yeah. back and lose on, you know, unwanted pounds. But I said, look, it can be really overwhelming, right? Mm-hmm. All of this can be really overwhelming because you've still got all of the other factors in your life, like you're talking about, all the other, you know, obstacle course things that are going on. I said, if you just try and move the needle positive 1% every day, right? Yes. 1% every day. I said, at the end of the year, you've got 365% of improvement. I said, mm-hmm. kind of reframe it in your head a little bit there, you know, and again, if I always say like, you know, if this goal is something you still want to attain, right? If this goal of your health and fitness, something you want to attain 1% a day will move mountains over the course of time. Yes. And uh, so, you know, I, I think, at least I hope, maybe they'll all tell me something <laughs> different after they hear this podcast. Uh, but I, <laughs> I hope that that's one of the things that kind of resonates. And I think that kind of statement from you, like, you know, how do we make it the most stress-free way to kind of get you to where you want to be? I think that's pretty good. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um. So let's take a little side note, a little sidebar, and sure. we'll talk a little bit entrepreneurship. Yeah. That's always fun because that was a big shift after being a teacher. That's a nice comfy <laughs> yeah. job. And that's, you know, that's one, I won't say comfy. Let's not say that's a steady job. How about that? True. It's a steady job. Um, you're not yes. really, you know, how, how's entrepreneurship been for you? You know, the business side of things is more uncomfortable for me than the coaching part. I find it to be incredibly satisfying to work with people, to coach them, to help them, to see them succeed. All of those things are fantastic. The business building piece is a little slower going, um, only because a lot of people don't know what a life coach can do and what a life coach actually is. And so I'm finding that it's more important for me to have conversations like this and to get in front of people, to give talks, to be a part of learning. And then that's how people find out that, oh, that is actually what I'm looking for. Like me, when I first started, I didn't know who I needed. I knew I needed someone. And so I want to focus on the education side of things now and get out there and share what a coach can do. Because I do some work with people that want to, you know, shape up their bodies or, you know, learn lifestyle changes, those types of things. Um, And so some of my work is in that, but that's not exclusively what I do. And so I think it's important to educate and share so that people know when they want someone that I'm available. Gotcha. Yeah. If you had to think of one, one entrepreneurial skill outside of, you know, outside of your coaching, right? Cause that's sure. That is, that is your passion skill. Yeah. One entrepreneurial (laughs) skill that you're great at and one that you suck at. What are they? (laughs) Oh man. Yep. I think the the suck one probably comes faster is maybe the social media side of things. I just feel like it's such a huge industry at this point. And so many people are getting educated that that way. Mm -hmm. I feel like I need my own personal education on like how to truly reach those who are looking. In fact, I saw something about TikTok really teaching a lot of people a lot of things recently. And I don't, I've never even been on TikTok. So I feel like I'm a little behind in that scene. Um, a positive 
with entrepreneurship is I think just my people skills. Like if I can talk to somebody, I can make them feel comfortable and make them, it's usually easy for them to realize they want to try once we get connected and we have a conversation. Uh, I, so you hit the. I was going to say that's got to be what it is. If I was, if I was to kind of guess, you know, <laughs> what you're positive, it's definitely your ability to kind of like communicate with somebody, you know, for sure, and making them feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if it's any, if it, if it gives you any kind of like relief, the entrepreneurial <laughs> side of things as a coach, it never gets easier, right? It's one of those things. Right. Um, you know, uh, but I think you kind of, if you kind of stick to your guns a little bit. Um, the world of personal training, right? Even when I was working for a, a big time health club was always very entrepreneurial in nature, right? Even though I was, I still had to generate my own clientele. I still had to generate a relationship. I still had to all these things and all these things that you would do, even if you were a, your own business owner. And so I just did yeah. it under the umbrella of a health club. And the skill set that I learned was that I've never really had to quote unquote, sell myself. I've never had to don't mm -hmm. do that. And I think when you do what you do, right. And, and we do what we do as coaches. Um, but the approach that you take of giving value and enter and educating, um, mm -hmm. and kind of giving them that place of guidance and leadership, they're going to ask you when you're available, like, where can I, right. and it's, it's not going to be a matter of, do you want to become a client of Deborah's, right? You can now say, <laughs> you know, they, they're going to be like, holy shit, how can I not, right? How can I not work with you? Because, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, because you, well, you're taking it the right way. Now look, social media is daunting. Now, and when we're done with the podcast, I'll hop on, we'll talk about TikTok because that is a whole nother <laughs> brand of donuts right there. Yeah. Um, it really is. Um, but, you know, social media is hard too because there, it's another, it's another arena where there are a lot of charlatans, right? Um, people are either just giving up BS information, um, and it's kind of a, it's a hard place. But there's another place, another realm where, if you are giving great value and you're giving out great content that actually in, enhances somebody's world, then it has great value to you. And if you enjoy mm -hmm. it, if you don't enjoy it, right? Don't do yeah. it. Right? If you don't, you I've don't. I've really become okay with that because I recognize that. And what I share with people all the time is that. You have to be true to yourself. You have to be very authentic. And where I excel is in true in the flesh people relationships or, you know, on the phone kind of connection versus the the cute and artistic videos. Like other people can be good at that. And as we talked about layering and support, I can I can pull that in. I don't have to be able to do that on my own. I know what I'm good at. <laughs> That's the, that we have another person in our network group. That's where we just call Sierra and tell Sierra to do our social media yeah, for us. <laughs> totally. Exactly. <laughs> so Sierra, when you're out there, if you're listening, you're, 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 you need to help us both out here a little bit. That's right. We need you. Uh, all right. Well, this has been awesome, man. I really appreciate yeah. you coming on and just having a nice chat with me today. This has been a lot of fun. Um, great conversation. And um, tell everybody where they can find you, how they, if they want to like get in touch, if they want to yeah. you know, talk to you about some more, where can they find you? Yeah, I'd love to connect. Um, Deborah Kelly Life Coaching.com. And Deborah spelled the long way, D E B O R A H. I'm sure Eric can add that um, detail in at the bottom. But Deborah Kelly Life Coaching.com um, is how you can find me. Kelly with an E-Y or a Y? Just a Y. Just a Y. Okay, cool. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, if you've got nothing else, man, I appreciate everything. Thank you so much. This has been fun. Yeah. We had a good time. Thanks, Eric. And uh, we'll uh, we'll chat soon. And uh, everybody out there, thanks so much. If you want to check her out, man, go find Deborah. She's awesome. Um, if you have any questions, you can always find me and I'll get you guys connected. All right. Thanks so much. And we'll talk soon, gang. Bye.